When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Allison. And I'm Taylor. And together, we're the Anxiety Chicks. Each week, we will dive deep into a different topic about anxiety and the real-life experiences we all go through. While giving you all the top tools and tips you need for your journey to recovery. Our degrees may say therapist and dietitian, but together we are just real chicks on our own healing journeys too. Join us as we take you from panic to power and reduce the stigma of mental health. Remember, you're never alone and we're all in this together. Hi healers, it's Allison here. So I want to tell you a little bit more about how Taylor and I got started with our podcast and the platform we've been using, which is Anchor, has been so user-friendly and so amazing. I just want to tell anyone else out there that is thinking about starting a podcast, Anchor is the way to go. First of all, it's completely free, so hello. Second of all, there's so many creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. It's crazy. I'm recording this right from my phone, and it literally just looks like the record button on your videos or your Instagram. So it really is such a user-friendly platform, and the coolest thing is, is you can add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes too. And the possibilities are seriously endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never even seen before. Anchor also distributes your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many other platforms. And you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And like I said, it's so user-friendly. I recommend Anchor. Go to anchor.fm to get started or the Anchor app. See you later, healers. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Anxiety Chicks podcast. I'm Allison Sepinara. And I'm Taylor. And we are so excited to be back again this week. We hope you guys enjoyed um, our episode last week about the Sunday scaries. Um, I I liked I liked it too. Oh, I got a a lot of really good feedback too from people um, that they definitely our our different like thoughts towards it. Like how I was like, oh, it's like when you're hungover and you were like, oh, and then we like talked about. I like that. That was good. I know, I know, and. I think that there's a lot of people that related to that type of Sunday Mm -hmm. scare, you know, that anxiety on Sundays. Um, So if you haven't listened to it, go back. And I think even if you don't have, you know, the Sunday scare, like scaries on Sunday, you know, anxiety on Sunday, I feel like everything we talked about can actually has happened to me throughout the week sometimes. So not just on Sundays. Um, so it's a really good episode. So definitely go listen to that. Um, so how are you doing this week, Taylor? Doing good. Can't complain. Yeah, good. Not much going on. Good. Well, I'm happy to report that my dad is in rehab finally um, for his hip. He broke his hip. I think I talked about this last week a little bit. Yeah. That it was a difficult week for me because my dad fell and he had been struggling you know, with balance issues and stuff. And we were really um, scared and he broke his hip. So he had to get a hip replacement and, um, or surgery. I don't know if it was a replacement, but he broke his femur. That's like the first time I ever heard really like femur. I don't really know a lot about <laughs> that stuff with the body. Um, but yeah, so he, so I finally would be able to visit him this week and it's been really hard. So for anyone, you know, that has a loved one who, I mean, honestly, during this time with COVID, I mean, at any time it's horrible, but with COVID, you know, we're thankful that my mom was even allowed to visit him and all that stuff. So finally I can see him, but, um, so that's been good. And yeah, I feel like this week has been better. Remember last week we were talking about how we were in such a, 
I don't know the word you used. <laughs> I don't know, but you were like, is Mercury in retrograde? Yeah, it was like, in Mercury. That. do you know after you said that? I was like, you know, like, I don't believe in any of this stuff, but I'm going to look it up. And so I looked it up and I was like, if it, if Mercury is in retrograde, then maybe all these people are right. See? So it's not, it's not. So. Right. Oh, it's not. It wasn't in retrograde. No. Okay. Okay. No. See, wait, I like, that you, I. <laughs> I like that you looked that up. You guys go look that up if you're listening. You're like, what the heck is Mercury in retrograde? Because. Every Instagram post I see sometimes when people are just having like a bad week or if something happens, it's just like out of the ordinary. I see so many people on Instagram say, is Mercury in retrograde? Or yeah, like that's the reason why all this stuff is backwards. <laughs> nope. It's just you and I being you and I. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, no excuse here. Right. Totally. Totally. I it, Honestly, the weather here has been so great too. So obvious, everyone knows that my moods depend on the weather a lot of times. And in Philly, it's been like in the high 60s, 70s and sunny. So my moods have been, yeah, totally. Well, I don't know if you saw my Instagram stories, but I'm looking for places to move. So I can't stand. What is that? What's that about? Well, wait, can you tell us a little bit? The tornado sirens are going off legit every weekend at this point. It is getting ridiculous. Like I'm like, what is going on? Like, I can't take this. And I have like a, like my top three fears is just like a tornado taking me and like oh. I just can't and it's awesome. bad here like every weekend and and, it, and it's always ha- it's weird it always happens at this like I'll go to my workout and then I'll and like it's sunny and then I'll leave my workout and it's like about to like tornado down and I'm like oh. rushing home and I feel like deja vu I'll post a story and I'll like talk about it and I feel like deja vu at this point I'm like oh guys gosh. I can't make this up I'm leaving my workout and the tornado, it's under tornado watch. Like how? So if it happens this Friday, I'm literally moving. See, that's, that's something that I just, I don't, I've never even heard of what that noise would sound like. Cause we don't have tornado. I mean, we it's don't freaky. have, or is it just like a sound that they, where is this? Like where do they just, is it in the city? They just put off this bell or something. What is it? Yeah. They're in like, I guess every city and they're, it's weird. Probably like a like, fire like, alarm basically no, right it's, it's, no it's actually like a very eerie sound i, oh I go God. to youtube when we get off this podcast okay. and type in tornado siren okay anyways okay. here's the thing like i grew up in houston and in houston we had hurricanes so mm-hmm. so hurricanes it's like you have time right like you can yeah. like get out and you like if you can if you stay you like that's on you but right. here it's just like when the sirens go off, basically it means a tornado can drop at any moment. Like there's, there's rotation in the sky right, and just right. like, so you're sitting there and you're like, Oh my gosh, like a tornado could just drop <laughs> on my head. Like it's oh God, just the most, so funny, it is but... not, no, it's not for people with anxiety. And so what do y'all have? And like every, everywhere has, I mean, something. we don't really have like hurricane. I mean, we could have a hurricane. It's not that bad. We have a lot of snow. <laughs> yeah. No, um, yeah. You but know, like flooding scary. sometimes, nothing. flooding. Um, I got to get out of here. <laughs> no, I know. We don't have really earthquakes either. I think it's probably why my parents moved here. Because we don't, yeah, there's not sense. really those natural disaster type of things. I don't know why too. Like anyone who's like a, what is it, geologist or something? I don't even know who talks about that. Please contact me. I'm very curious. Okay, <laughs> wait. I want to, I want to get our guest on here and then I want to ask her. Okay. Yeah. But she might not know. No, we'll I want to ask Dr. Her. Jen knows about her, if she has any uh, about the anxiety weather. related to yeah tornadoes. No, no, not that. Okay, well, let's no, let's get her on because I am excited about today. If anyone's been following my stories or on the Anxiety Chicks Instagram, you might have seen that we're having an amazing neuropsychologist on today named Dr. Jennifer Wolken. She goes, "It's Dr. Jen," and. Um, she is a clinical neuropsychologist, and I want to mention that she did go to Harvard. She's Harvard trained. She didn't really want me to mention it because, you know, everyone says Harvard. Oh my gosh! But you know what? I needed to mention it because I think that's pretty freaking cool. And um, she's also a writer, a speaker, and a mental health advocate. Um, she founded a private practice with an appreciation about the mind and the body. And she is everything that you need to know about neuropsychology. So I'm so excited to have her on here. So welcome, Dr. Jen. Thank you. Welcome. I am just so grateful to be here with you too. We are so excited too. And 
We have a couple questions from people we're going to get to at the end, but um, I want to give you... Go, Let me go ahead, Taylor. My question in now. Oh, Taylor has a question already. Hold on. Well, we're before, just before okay. I just have I to chime know. in because I was um, like a, a week years old, like last week years old, when I learned that Mercury retrograde was called <laughs> Mercury retrograde because it's like literally when Mercury appears to be moving backwards from the earth. <laughs> Boom. That's it. I am like mind blown. That's it. That's okay. why. That's why it's called Mercury retrograde because Mercury looks like it's moving retrograde from the Earth. So why does that affect us? Oh, that I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> See, I don't know how it affects us psychologically, but I, I just like learned that specific fact. Oh my See, God. I think that maybe. <laughs> I don't even know. I want to look into this, but I think maybe it's because if it's moving backwards and it's like, wow, it feels like everything's like just going, everything's backwards right now. And it's like, that's kind of anxiety. I I think it's a cycle. I think because of the name, sorry to interrupt you. I think that's it. I think it's just our interpretation, right? I don't think Mercury actually moving backwards, like does something (laughs) to like the earth such that us humans, right? Like, feel it physiologically, I think it's all in our interpretation, which is what can lead to anxiety, really. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So where do you currently live right now? Me? Yeah. I'm in New York City. Okay. So I'm I'm looking for places to move. <laughs> where... <laughs> do you have bad weather? <laughs> Wait, so where are you? I heard you talk about I'm in I'm in Dallas, Texas. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, it's just it's not doing good here. You know, come come on up. Yeah, y'all have a ton of people moving out. So how is that? You know, yeah, for a while there, it was like the city that never sleeps was taking a really big nap. Right. But you know, it's coming back. I mean, we're New Yorkers. Okay. We're resilient. <laughs> Are you in Manhattan? Are you in Manhattan? I am I'm in Manhattan proper. Oh I've been my there god! For like many years, I know. Oh. Where are you? So I'm in Philly, and my sister lived in New York in in Brooklyn for a long time. My best friend lived in Midtown Manhattan. I mean, I love New York. It's and you're I so felt, close. Also, I know we should actually get together. Yes, Let's please. talk about that I after love this. Philly so much. I love Philly. We're so close. I would move there. Oh Taylor, my god! Maybe Philly. I know. I got to get out of Texas, guys. Could you imagine? <laughs> Awesome. Let's get, let's get right. intervention to getting Taylor out of Texas. Yes, exactly, exactly. But <laughs> um, well, I know. But before we, well, when we, 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 before we started talking, when Taylor and I were talking a little bit, and you guys started talking about this, I think I was like, save it for the podcast because I thought it was such a great mm-hmm. conversation you guys were having um, that our listeners would love to know. So, Taylor. Why don't you, you kind of talk, you asked her a little bit about what a neuropsychologist is. and Yeah, I guess, I guess when Allison first came to me with Dr. Jen, I was just like, okay, so what makes just an outsider (laughs) looking in, obviously you guys, like you picked what you want to study and you went into this knowing like like, to this y'all, to you guys, it's just like, what do you mean? You don't know what this is, but to us, it's just like, okay, what's the difference between you two? Like, I I just want to know. I actually think it's a very important question because I think there's so much, um, there's so much, um, you know, question around the different types of therapists and especially with the influx of everyone on the the social media, which can be an extraordinary thing. I think it gets really like blurry sometimes. So I actually really appreciate the question. I think it's very important. Um, well, I don't like saying Harvard. I do really do like talking about my training because I think it's very important that people know exactly what it is I'm trained for. So I guess, first of all, I did my PhD in clinical health psychology and as a health psychology, first and foremost, I'm interested in the way biological, psychological, and social factors interact with and affect our overall being, uh, well-being. And so my, a lot of my work includes exploring the relationship that stress, health beliefs and coping styles, and of course, other psychosocial factors play into our functioning. 
And then after my PhD, I did a two-year neuropsychology fellowship. And it wasn't my first time, you know, it wasn't my first foray into neuropsychology. My internship at Mount Sinai was at the Alzheimer's Disease Research Center. I did externships at NYU's Comprehensive Epilepsy Center. Um, but then after my PhD, I did a two-year neuropsych fellowship. And I guess what that means is that I'm trained to parse out and have a better understanding of our cognitive strengths and weaknesses and how those possibly interplay with emotional and physical functioning and also impact, you know, relationship to self and others. So basically neuropsychology is a specialty of psychology um, that seeks to understand the relationship between the structure and function of the brain and thoughts and behaviors. Huh. So how would I know to go to you versus like just Allison? Such a good question. So you would know to go to me. First of all, I, I am a, I am a trained as a psychologist. So okay. I can see anyone with mental health, um, challenges. Of course I do have area of expertise. So for example, well, I would refer out if someone came to me with addiction or substance abuse and use. I want to make that very clear. Um, but I can see of most any other, except someone would also come to me if they were struggling with their memory, with their language functioning, with their attention. So I see a lot of attention deficit um, clients. Uh, oh my to, gosh, like ADHD, yeah. ADD? ADHD, ADHD, yes. Can we talk on that? What is your take on, <laughs> I mean, this is like, this is, this a, is so this bad. Is my generation. So I'm 26 yeah. and I, in high school, so that was about, I, I don't know how many years ago. Anyways, there was this time and I went to a very competitive high school. There was a moment when everybody and their mom all of a sudden got prescribed 80. Yeah. I'm not going to say the exact. Okay. Oh, sorry. Adderall not, I, no, I, say that. I don't know if it's uh, bad to say that or not, if they can come after us, but Adderall and Vyvanse, like it was yeah. just like everybody. And it was so easy. I mean, I, I was, so that was actually what started a lot of my panic disorder because I got prescribed Adderall and Vyvanse yes. type of personality. Oh, and I started, I started, it, it, it wasn't ever enough. And I didn't need it. I don't think I did. Like I always did good, but I went to this lady and, you know, I sat there. These were the questions I got. Uh, do you have trouble focusing? Well, yeah. Mm. I mean, I think we all do because yes. we're a technology generation. <laughs> and then it was like, uh, just some, just a few basic questions. And it, and then I left with a, with a prescription and a diagnosis. So that is not okay. Um, I'm not saying that prescriptions aren't important if well, there's a yeah. true organic challenge, right? 100%, right? I'm the first one to say if it's needed, there should be no reason to suffer and push through more than you, you mm-hmm. need to without the help of a, a great resource. However, I think it's prescribed too much. And I mean, what a great segue into our topic at hand because literally you took a nervous system stimulator yeah and which mimics the symptoms of panic and there you are yeah i mean it's and no one asked so me. dangerous yeah yeah and nobody asked me like because when you read the leaflet which you know no one ever does if someone do you have in your family any like mood disorders or any of that i was never oh, asked exactly exactly you weren't even asked that oh my no gosh. i want to be like i Um, or how could she not see no she even like when my mom was in there to my mom she was like you might even have some ADD because my mom was so nervous about me getting because my mom was just like I cannot believe like you're getting this is meth like you know what I mean like no uh, it has actually is meth like methamphetamine if you look at yes but here yeah it changed my whole personality well I would argue that, but I hear you just semantics wise, but I hear, yeah. I totally hear what you're saying. Also, I really want to talk so much right now on AD. I just have so much to say right now. So stop me. But first of all, the, <laughs> the clinical, the gold standard for ADHD, um, 
assessment and diagnosis rather is comprehensive clinical assessment, right? So we don't, in theory, need all these fancy schmancy like neuropsychology computer tools, right? But you have mm-hmm. to be really understand what it is, and you have to really be very very specific with your questioning. So, like in theory, someone could come to me and like I will take like two to two and a half hours and can diagnose them without wow. using any other thing except interview. Um, however, like we do like augment for, you know, especially when we're getting people accommodations for testing, um, you know, extra time on testing, et cetera, things like that, or other accommodations. Um, we have to document specific tests, but the standard is clinical assess, uh, clinical, yeah, uh, interview. However, it has to be an actual comprehensive one, not just, do you have trouble focusing? I mean, we're mm. all, I, I don't, first of all, anyone else have pandemic brain? I like to call it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, yeah. if we diagnosed all of us with ADHD, that would be we'd be overlooking. Me? Right. <laughs> well, well, and the thing is too, you know, when, cause I think, um, another part of, I'll say when I refer, so to get it a little clearer, I guess, between me and Dr. Jen, a lot of times I will refer my younger clients, my mm-hmm. my younger s- children clients to a neuropsychologist for purposes of getting assessed for either ADHD or some other type of like neurological type of concern, especially for their parents to submit to schools yes. because- mm-hmm. A lot of the school systems, if you come in with this type of assessment, it will help get them more services in the school or get them tested for it with the school psychologist or something like that. So is that something else that you've you've done or? Yes. Um, there are specifically ch- child neuropsychologists. Okay. Um, but I do... Um, I can do that. It's not my specific area of expertise. Oh, okay. And since okay. there are so many child... Ne- but I do see... A lot of clients meet from 18 on. So I see the kids, the children, the teens who want to go to um, grad school to get into college, medical school, all that. Got LSAT, it. Okay. All that. Right. Um, early intervention re- truly is the um, the best. So Yeah. Right. Right. And here's another thing. And I know this isn't our topic we had talked about talking about, but that's life. Um, I... Anxiety and ADHD are often, first of yes. all, they can often go together. That's they can also actually be what we call right comorbid, mm-hmm. but they can co-occur. But also, they can be um, mis um, misconstrued for one another too. So it's Preach. like just it's <laughs> like hard to parse. No, that I think you're. I think that was me because I think I yeah. went in. So here's the thing: I got up, I got Adderall, I got Vyvanse, and you know what it did it took away the social anxiety I didn't realize I had because I felt like almost just able to talk to people without overthinking about it. And I just think I was so hyper-focused on, you know, whatever that I wasn't worried about those other thoughts in the back of my mind. Like, Oh, what if they think this of you or like, blah, blah, blah. Like I felt so social and confident with my socializing. That's interesting. Well, I'm just so glad that you benefited from that and that you like at least used it in a way that cultivated more awareness for you. Yeah. I'm sorry about I, the I, panic, of course, but I'm glad that you were able to find, um, you know, something about it that gave you information that was needed. Yeah. Well, so it actually led to me figuring out that all along it was anxiety. Mm. So then I went through like this whole thing time in my life. And anyways, aside from the topic, I, I, I think that a lot of people who are told they have ADD, ADHD, it could be either, like you said, with, with anxiety or misdiagnosed. It it just feels like everybody's getting the diagnosis nowadays. Well, I'm, I'm curious, what is the connection there, Dr. Jen? Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, well, I guess, I mean, as anxiety survivors, right? Me being included um, in that. Um, have you ever noticed that when you're anxious, it's hard to concentrate? Yeah. 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 So that would be the most, um, yeah. 
I, I guess the most like, what's the word? Like, um, like obvious the, understanding. Yeah. 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 Well, but it also at the same time, right. Can make ADHD worse. So also with, Anxiety, as you know, there can be a lot of psychomotor psychomotor agitation. Yeah. Can you, can, yeah. Can you explain yeah. a little bit about what that is? Yeah. So psychomotor agitation is um, things where you just have trouble concentrating. It's like feeling restless. You feel like you want to jump out of your skin. I've experienced this um, when I had my panic attacks. I don't, we didn't even discuss this, but I had panic disorder at age 15 after a loss and um, my grandmother had passed suddenly and we were very close. And so I had a lot of psychomotor agitation. And then because of that, um, I couldn't sit and focus and concentrate on anything. So I actually had to um, cancel or defer finals that year in high school. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, again, I can go on and on. There are so, there are so many, right. And of course there are like our, there are like our clear differences, but I really, it's really difficult to recognize because especially if there's like hyperactivity involved. So the hyperactivity and the psychomotor agitation look alike a lot. Right. Um, sometimes with anxiety, like we do um, have, um, let's say, you know, we're reactive, we're more impulsive, which is a, a hallmark of, you know, ADHD sometimes, right? So, yeah, I, I, I feel like I definitely struggled with ADHD. I wasn't really hyperactive, but um, growing up, I, as a child, it was very hard for me to focus. I mean, academics were a lot harder for me. And how old? Oh, um, gosh. How old? I honestly can't even tell you an age because I just always felt like it was. Yeah. Um. So I probably, honestly, going back to grade school. That That is what we look for. That's the homework that we look for, that it goes really? back that young. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So that makes I'm sense. I'm not making any diagnosis, diagnoses on here, but yeah, that's just something that right. like perked my ears up. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I still know to this day, I mean, I also went to a, um, I went to a school that was more private school. So, you know, they didn't really have access to, you know, having an IEP or yeah. getting those services as much as a public school would. So I think I would definitely have been evaluated if I was in a public school. You know, okay, we're getting real here. I'm going to say same. So I recall that I was the kid who was always, I, I you know, I guess I did well in school. And also, though, I had I was always sent to the principal because I was talking and sending notes and calling out answers. I couldn't take actual notes in class. Hi, healers. Allison here. So I want to talk to you all a little bit about one of our new sponsors, BetterHelp. I'm so excited to tell you about this online counseling platform because as a licensed therapist, I'm a huge advocate of mental health awareness and truly believe in providing affordable counseling services to anyone, anywhere. Let's face it, there's so many areas in the United States and around the world that can make it so difficult to find affordable counseling. And especially if you live in a more rural area, it can be really hard to find a counselor, which is why I love this online platform. BetterHelp is an online mental health healing platform that provides online counseling and matches you with your own licensed professional therapist. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's a professional counseling service done securely online and is available worldwide. What's even better is that there are a number of different licensed counselors who specialize in all different areas of mental health. BetterHelp makes it so easy to log onto your account at any time and contact your therapist directly. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses and can schedule as many weekly video or phone sessions as you would like. 
As a therapist, I know that it's not always possible to find the right therapist for your needs, especially the very first time. So BetterHelp has actually made it so easy to facilitate great therapeutic matches. And if you don't find a connection with your first counselor, there's absolutely no charge to change counselors if you ever need to. How amazing is that? And if you find that you're struggling financially, they also have financial aid available. So we have a special offer for all Anxiety Chick listeners today. Sign up now and receive 10% off your first month. Just visit betterhelp.com slash the anxiety chicks. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P slash the anxiety chicks and join over 500,000 people who are taking charge of healing their mental health with an experienced counselor today. I was the kid in class who was sort of bored in class, who did well enough, who did well, that no one suspected that anything could be up. But, you know, I had a hard time sitting and taking notes. I had a hard time, uh, I had a hard time not um, calling out the answers. And I would take notes and I would go to the principal. I get sent to the principal and talk in class a lot. And um, I never put it together um, until like maybe during my postdoc 10 years ago or 11 years ago um, when I was mentioning it to a mentor. Oh my gosh. Um, I know because I fell through the cracks because I went to yeshiva. I went to um, private school, not to diss on a yeshiva, but just to say that they had, they didn't know what like, um, like you said, like an IEP was or, or so I was doing quote well enough to, Um, to have it be hidden. But in retrospect, it's all, it just all becomes so clear. I was the last one to finish um, the tests. I would always do well, you know, essentially, but, you know, the process to getting there wasn't always, you know, it was just more complicated than it looked on the surface. And I think it's very easy to get missed. And thankfully I've compensated, but, you know, and I had the resources that I needed in some ways, but not everyone gets that opportunity. So I think it's just always important to yeah. be aware of this and make sure that we're all aware. Um, so I, 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 you talk a little bit about how ADHD, I guess, is something that you see a lot in, in the assessments you do. And I'm curious, you, you mentioned earlier about um, how you look at the brain and how how, you know, the brain plays a part in our thoughts and behaviors or feelings. And I am curious if you can tell listeners a little bit more about kind of the parts of the brain and what control, like, I don't know how much, you know, and I'm just (laughs) me learning about the parts of the brain that actually control our, you know, behaviors and our feelings and stuff is so interesting to me. Well, I guess, you know, I haven't brushed up on this in a while. However, right, ADHD is considered a brain, quote, disorder. Don't love that term, but it is what it is. And there's definitely research that shows that there are differences in brains of, you know, children with ADHD and those where there aren't. And um, most of this, I think, points to the frontal lobes, which Mm -hmm. we know, right, yeah, which we know is the area of the brain responsible for problem solving, um, impulse control, planning, decision making, attention, right, both sustained attention and working memory, um, even time perception. And so I think that they've categorized um, ADHD as like a frontal lobes system's quote unquote disorder. So they've noticed challenges in that specific region that can lead to, um, you know, the symptomatology. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, is that similar to someone with anxiety disorders? Yeah. So I, it's so hard to say. However, yes, when we're in panic mode, right. Um, so not necessarily if, um, if, not necessarily specifically if we have an anxiety disorder per se, but if we're in panic mode and we are chronically stressed um, or our nervous systems are dysregulated, the brain area that shuts down 
most easily and they've seen research where the front is the frontal lobe and they've seen research that the frontal lobe actually shrinks. Mm. Um, and so there's a similarity there, right? So if there's chronic stress, um, the amygdala, right? The fear-based um, part of the brain um, has the chance to grow in volume. And that just means that the, there's more gray matter and it's more active and the frontal lobes are less active and we need our frontal lobes for, you know, like all the things I just mentioned they're involved with. And the other thing is that when we're chronically stressed, our frontal lobes and the amygdala don't talk as much as they need to. So the connection between them is weakened. Wow. Wow. So, can you, okay, uh, we got a lot of questions about this. And can you talk a little bit about the vagus nerve because, and, and vagal tone? Because I don't know if anyone listening yeah. is, has never heard that before, or even if you have, and maybe you're kind of learning a little bit more about the importance of the vagus nerve in your autonomic nervous system and, and how it plays a role in anxiety and stress. So can you just talk about that a little bit? Yeah, no, I'd love to. I love the vagus nerve. I feel like we're just starting to speak more about it. We haven't as much. And um, basically, it's crucial to our overall wellness. It's one of the um, 12 cranial nerves um, and runs down from the brainstem. Um down the neck, into the abdomen, and also just innervates, which means that it crosses um, paths with also other organs like the lungs, the heart. It even goes through our larynx, our throat. And um, basically, these are the nerve networks that are lines of communication between the brain and the body and Mm -hmm. vice versa, the body and the brain. And the the vagus nerve is the 10th one. It's the 10th cranial nerve. It's the longest. It's the largest. It's called that actually, you might have heard this, because vagus means wanderer in Greek. So it's like, you know, it's vagrant throughout our bodies. It's a traveler. It, um, right, it like swings through lots of the major organs. And it's linked to lots of, um, challenges, um, inflammatory challenges, and also anxiety. Um, I think that the vagus nerve is like a super highway. <laughs> mm-hmm. I would say it goes from the core, which are the, the, our core, which is our brain to the depths of our gut. And Taylor, this is probably where a lot, the gut brain axis, um, comes to play with your work. Right. Um, yeah, the vagus nerve connects the brain to the gut and is actually one of the pathways um, that they that researchers have identified as mediating that gut-brain connection and why vagal tone is so important, right? So basically, um, the vagus nerve <clears throat> is in charge of turning off that fight-or-flight reflex that we have. It's mm. almost like a break. Um, it's almost like it acts as like a break for the stress response, right? Like on a bicycle, you have a break when you when you're going too fast. I almost think of that break as like the vagus nerve, right? So, um, you know, not to toot the vagus the vagus nerve's horn, but it's like kind of a big deal. <laughs> yeah, um, it's I guess lar- responsible for the mind body connection. It's Some people say it's the mediator between thinking and feeling because um, it connects the different parts of our brains, right? Our higher order thinking parts and um, other parts. And um, yeah, basically it's like listening to the way we breathe. It sends the the brain and the heart, whatever messages our brain, uh, our breath rather indicates. So, for example, breathing slowly reduces oxygen demands of the heart, and then our vagus nerve takes note of that. Um, I can keep ranting unless there's questions. <laughs> Should I keep going? Nancy, 
Do you have anything, Taylor, you want to respond or no? Because I have a bunch of questions. <laughs> I just want to give Taylor a chance. Um, I think something that's interesting to me is can you do you believe that your anxiety or like your mind can trigger the vagus nerve to cause you to pass out? Oh, interesting. I don't know much about the passing out part, but I do know, um, I do feel like there's a connection between stress, anxiety, and um, fear and worry in the vagus nerve. Um, I guess before I say anything more, I think it might be important to parse maybe the, like we always say stress, we always say worry, we say anxiety, and maybe this can be a big clue. Um, do you pass out, Taylor? Is that? Uh, no, but in the, so, well, yes. So in the past when I would get, um, I would maybe like stand a certain way, like in a social situation or something, and I could be locking my knees out, whatever, but it was always like my diagnosis was vasovagal synopsis or whatever. Syncope. Syncope. Yeah. Okay. Yes. I, yes. 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 I mean, definitely. I mean, I'm not an MD, but I definitely think that you can have that sudden drop in heart rate and blood pressure. And then I'm I'm sure the vagus nerve takes note. I'm just not 100% sure. So is vasovagal and the vagus nerve not correlate? Like, is that the same thing? Yeah. Yeah. That's the vagus okay. nerve. Yeah. Exactly. Huh. Yeah. Vasovagal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that nerve. For right. For sure. Can, I think it's... um. I'm interested to just I, I want to talk a little bit about the tone, the yeah. tone and the connection with the vagus nerve, because that's something that when I started reading about it, I thought to myself, what is what does it mean to increase my vagal tone? That's what's going to <laughs> help. Increasing my vagal tone means it's going to help keep me in a more like parasympathetic state more often. And I was reading different exercises that can help increase my vagal tone. And I'm just, can you <laughs> tell the listeners a little bit about that? Yes. So um, I guess it's just the the words we use, right? Like vagal tone is um, what we use when we're referring to the response of our vagus nerve. Um, okay. So how does it respond to stress? Is it, is there, um, can we increase vagal tone or decrease, or is there poor vagal tone? Right. Yeah, so, right. um, right. Like good vagal tone, for example, like helps us lower our blood pressure, balance our mood, um, help with digestion. It's actually also associated with lower systemic inflammation. That's of very much an interest of mine, but that's an aside. Yeah. It lowers cortisol levels. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then on the other hand, like poor vagal tone, that's where we get into digestive issues and um, anxiety. And even like people are saying like just autoimmune stuff, but I mean. I, um, for the, like the average listener, could you like define what vagal tone is? Yeah. No, I get vagal tone is referring to um, the, um, how well the vagus nerve <clears throat> is functioning in uh, how, I guess that's it. Vagal, how well the vagus nerve is functioning relative to the stress that we're experiencing. Okay. Yeah. And so, so saying, you know, I like that you put it, you put it in a way that said, you know, if you have, you know, good vagal tone, right. It's um, your, your, so if you ha if you do these, it's like I want to get into certain types of interventions or exercises sure. that you feel like you've read about for good vagal tone, so the listeners can maybe put things into practice. Um, because I think strengthening that vagal tone is going to kind of help you when you are highly stressed or really overwhelmed or feeling anxious to kind of help your body, yeah. right? And and your mind not have the same responses as you normally would, as no, not normally, but like if you are highly anxious, maybe you would respond not as, um, you know, f in a way that would be as dangerous in your mind. You know, the vagal tone practices might be helpful to kind of, you know, 100%. keep your body balanced. I mean, because basically it's, you know, we have the rest and digest. We we always think of our fight or flight response, but we have a, 
a natural relaxation response, right? There's the autonomic nervous system that consists of both the sympathetic nervous system, which is the more fight or flight, you know, um, it, which is the fight or flight um, one. And then the parasympathetic, which is rest and digest. And what the vagus nerve essentially can do is, are you guys there? I just, I thought that I lost. No, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, and what the vagus nerve does is it um, helps us. I guess it's like the king or queen of the parasympathetics. Mm, Okay. Okay. It really helps us. We use it to help us um, really tap into our ability to to soothe our nervous system. Okay. Okay. Awesome. So Does that make sense? I want to make sure that I'm getting it across. To to me, it makes. Does it make sense, Taylor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I I think it's you put it in a great way that I think it is, it is understandable because I know that this to, this to, topic is difficult to exactly understand sometimes right. with all the scientific stuff and all that stuff. But it, yeah, it's very cerebral, very scientific. So I just want to make sure I'm like, I'm explaining it and I want to be sensitive to the fact that I want to make it digestible um, for your listeners. No pun intended. <laughs> exactly. Pun intended. <laughs> totally pun, intended. Pun intended, actually. Yes. Pun intended. <laughs> um, so can you talk a little bit more about then, I guess, some of those exercises or things that we can do to strengthen our vagal tone? Yeah. It's like um, a big topic these days and I love it. So, well, first of all, for me, I guess I always, my first recommendation is always cultivate awareness, right? Like tune in, tune in to how your body feels, what your mind's saying. Um, If you're not aware of how your body feels when you're stressed, and I think actually, you know, Taylor spoke to this when we were talking about our whole other conversation. Like she didn't realize, you didn't realize that you were having anxiety until you were made aware of it by right. your physiology. So I think if we're not aware of how our body feels when we're stressed, then it's hard to know um, what to give it and um, to, to, to get some rest and relaxation. And I think it's also hard to know what rest and relaxation feels like. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like the first and foremost, people will like jump right into like, okay, and do this and do this. And I'm like, let's make, let's cultivate awareness. And, and I think that's maybe my mindfulness background <laughs> coming in. Um, right. Like taking, take note of your body's baseline physical state when you're calm so that you can then notice how stress changes your body. And then you can notice again when you relax. Does that? Hmm. Yeah. And also like at the same time, because I believe that in anxiety um, um, disorder is both um, needs, both bottom up and top down. Um, uh, I believe that it needs both bottom-up and top-down treatment. And what that means is that anxiety is a confluence, I think, of our worry that takes place in the frontal lobes and a more just like reflexive physiology that's more reptilian. And then the anxiety is basically limbic, which is the limbic part of the brain. So I believe that cognitive behavioral therapy helps when we can calm ourselves down, when we can use what we call bottom up um, therapeutics, right? And that's when we're really tapping into the vagus nerve. We're really, really like trying to increase what we've just called our vagal tone. And then when we can get our frontal lobes back online a little bit more, then start to ask, what am I thinking? Am I, what kinds of thoughts am I having? Are these helpful, unproductive thoughts? Am I catastrophizing? Am I using a lot of what if statements? And so again, again, just like all that to say, just getting a general understanding of both your body and mind's baseline so that you know what you're dealing with. And then yeah. my next tip, my <laughs> my number one tip always is regulating your breath. Um, Mm. 
So there's so much research. I do lots yeah. of breathing exercises in my new book. There's that shameless plug for my new book, Quick Calm. But truly, there's a lot of breath work in there. And I have this rectangular breathing exercise in my book that really speaks to an understanding of increasing vagal tone. And I'll tell you why. Because <clears throat> research shows that mindful deep breathing from the diaphragm reduces cortisol, et cetera, et cetera. But here's the thing. <clears throat> to really invoke the vagus nerve, we need to make sure that the exhale is longer than the inhale. And so a lot of people will say, do boxed breathing, like breathe in four, exhale four. And that's going to calm you a little bit, but it's not going to really increase vagal tone per se. We need to really, really like reduce that heart rate. Let the, the vagus nerve know and let, you know, that, um, the heart rate is coming down, et cetera, et cetera. And to, for that to happen, we need to make the exhale at least double the inhale. Can I ask you a question about breathing really quick? Yeah. Um, does it does it actually matter if you're breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth? Or is it even if it's, say you're doing, you know, breathing in for four, out for six, you know, the breath is longer. What is it? Tell me a little bit more if that matters or. Yeah, I think it's just style. Okay. Um, like different styles okay. of breathing, but don't quote me on that. I think like different, like there's yoga, more yogic pranayama and mm -hmm. other kinds. I like my nose closed. Um, the, the part that I know for sure is that the exhale has to be longer. Okay. Good. But yeah, less something to look, something for us to, to research after this. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. I also heard that um, humming or singing is really yeah. good for vagal tone. Exactly. I was totally going to say that. So <laughs> humming and singing and laughing. And yeah. a lot of the reason for that is because um, our vagus nerve is actually connected to our vocal cords, right? So I said on the at the um, top of the segment talking about our vagus nerve, I had said that it innervates or travels through our larynx and throat. And basically it really can touch our vocal cords. So when we do things like hum and sing, and even actually I'll add gargling. <laughs> um, yes, I've heard we, that too. Yeah. We can increase our vagal tone. Taylor, are you still there? Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. I, no, I'm listening to you guys. It's so interesting, <laughs> taking it all in. So, I mean, in my mind, there's like science behind the term whistle, like whistle while you work, or you know, because even whistling yeah. in some ways can help, right? So, whistle yeah. while you work to me is like, like, like de-stress while you're working. <laughs> like, make sure to have a balance. Um, like, I take that actually literally. That's that you know statement. Um, yeah. even I would say even there's also a connection with listening to music. I mean, I don't know how many people have researched that. I'm sure there is, but, um, listening to relaxing music after a stressful event can lower le levels of cortisol and other stress markers. And, you know, I don't, I don't know, this is getting a little bit off talk topic, but also no, like the ear is also considered a parasympathetic regulatory organ actually. So when we stimulate the ear through like uplifting sounds or sounds that we feel like are healing, that can also stimulate the vagus nerve, which is why I am, I, I play music. I listen to music and I'm very big on like playlists. So I'm going to offer <laughs> up a playlist on my community. And there's a, again, a method to my madness, but there are other that. things that you can do, right? Have you heard of exposing to cold? Yes. I was yeah. just going to ask about yeah. that. Yes. Yeah. So we originally learned this from scuba divers, right? They submerged in cold water. They noticed an automatic survival instinct um, kick in. And that was, you know, that helped them lower their heart rate because they wanted to conserve oxygen. So putting an ice pack um, near the vagus can help regulate mm. emotions by increasing vagal tone. Yeah. That's the, um, 
hydrotherapy, right? Is that I, what it's called? I think cryotherapy. I'm not Hydro- sure. Oh, cryotherapy. I'm okay, not yeah. sure. Something it could like be. That. Yeah, it could be one or the other. Yeah, it could be something. I've I've started reading. There's not there's not so much on it yet, but like you know, I've been trying to research more and more about about it and reading about um, Wim Hof. Yeah, the Wim Hof method. Yeah. Um, anyone just Google that if you're listening. Uh, he's this you know kind of pioneer in this type of cold therapy, and. It's so interesting learning the science behind it. I think it's really important to know the science behind all of this and how our body is and the biology of things, right? Like the mind and the body are connected. I mean, in the, in the, at the end of the day, this is, you know, th- this statement that should just be literally placed everywhere that everyone can remember, no matter what they struggle with, is that the body, body and the mind are connected, one hundred percent, thousand percent. I also just feel like this is important to talk about because, like, we talk so much about involuntary functioning, and we we used to think that all autonomics, autonomic nervous system was like off limits. It's like okay, this is just sort of um, all reflexive, and we have no control, and it's involuntary functioning. And then there are things like biofeedback and um, all these other ways that we've just talked about that help us and empower us to know that we can actually literally help our nervous system work for us, right? Like evoking, evoking the vagus nerve and increasing vagal tone is totally within our reach in any given moment. And I just find that extraordinarily empowering. Well, that's awesome. Well, Unfortunately, we have to kind of wrap this up because I know Taylor, you have a client. You got to go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I think we've, I think it's been a 50 minute episode now. We, we, we could it talk is. forever. It I is. know. I have so much more to say. So um, maybe we can do some lives or whatnot, but I definitely want to yes. talk with your community on neuroplasticity and all that really yes. amazing, juicy brain nerdy stuff. But thank we'll you have- for having me. Yes, I think we have to have you back on, honestly, because there are so many different things to talk about. And you just gave us so much information. I love it. And you're so great. And I just want to give you an opportunity to kind of plug all of your stuff. Where can people (laughs) find you? Thank you. That's so sweet. Yeah. So for right now, the thing that I'm plugging is my recently published book. It's two months old. Happy birthday book. It's You can find it at... (laughs) quickcombook.com. It's called Quick Calm, Easy Meditations to Short Circuit Stress Using Mindfulness and Neuroscience. Um, and I'm happy to raff, give off one, t- raffle one to your listener if that works for you. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I would absolutely be my pleasure. May it be of service. And you can also find me at Dr. Jen Psych underscore on, awesome. on Instagram and on Twitter. Oh my gosh. Yes. The raffle. Let's talk on DMS about that and see. Yeah, how, I hope see that was okay do. to say. It was just like a, a very, <laughs> <laughs> it was like no, my instinctual, let's do this. Let's, let's just be of service here. Like, why not? No, I love that. And maybe we can do kind of like a giveaway or something. Oh yeah. Know, oh on yeah. Our, on our Give- Instagram. A thousand percent. I'm in. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you again so much. And um, at the end of each episode, Taylor and I kind of, I usually give a a healing tip of the week Mm. and Taylor kind of just gives a small quote, but I want to, I want to tell everyone, because I mentioned the Wim Hof method. I'm just, I want to, my tip would to be just go and look that guy up because (laughs) it is very interesting. Even if you feel like it's not for you and maybe, you know, that's not, a method for everybody. You know, everyone has different anxiety. Everyone has different treatments and healing tools, but just learn about it a little bit. And, and the, you know, the, the type of the vagus nerve and its response to colds. I'm just, I think it's really important for people to educate or just educate yourself about the vagus nerve this week. That is my tip to, to, to your education. Um, Taylor, do you have anything you'd like to share, say just inspirational to our listeners? You know, you know, what's funny is last night I was actually listening to some article, not listen. Oh my gosh. Did I just say listening to some article? I was reading some article and it said, 
stop playing the supporting role of everyone else's lives and learn to be the main character of your own. I love that. I know. It hit me, Allison. I was like, oh. And you remembered that. That's how much it, you know, stuck No, I read it and was like, oh my gosh. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. So there you go, you guys. Wise words. I love it. Well, thank you again so much. We're definitely going to be connecting on Instagram. Everyone follow the Anxiety Chicks, the Anxiety Healer, and Health underscore Anxiety, and Dr. Jen. And we will be talking to you guys about another amazing anxiety healing topic next week. Oh, rate and review and subscribe. (laughs) Okay. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. Thank you so much. Hi, healers. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Anxiety Chicks with Taylor and I. As always, you can find us on Instagram. You can find me, Allison Sepinera, as the Anxiety Healer and Taylor as health underscore anxiety. And as always, you can check out the Anxiety Healing School. I just dropped a new course called When Panic Attacks, Triggers That Create Fear and How to Overcome Them all about overcoming your anxious triggers and finding more awareness on what contributes to your anxious thoughts and giving you all the tools on how to overcome them. Uh, It's a self-paced course, and if there's any struggle with finances, there's a payment plan available as well, so go to theanxietyhealingschool.com to check that out, and as always, go to peakofpanic.com to check out updates about Taylor's blog and her journal she's coming out with. Thanks, everyone. Happy healing. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.